1: This week on the Chicago Bears Review. The only thing harder than being the Kings in the North is staying the Kings in the North, which is exactly the task that the defending NFC's North champ Minnesota Vikings have in front of them in 2018. Was it just magic in 2017, or are they the true Kings? Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman joins us on this NFC North preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. Episode number 13, lucky number 13, in our 14 episode journey through the NF, through the excuse me, through the Bears uh, 2018 opponent's schedule, and the last one coming here in a few days, talking about our beloved Chicago Bears. But first, we wrap up the NFC North Opponent previews with the Minnesota Vikings last year's defending NFC North champion. What's going on, everybody? Larry D back. Part number three of our NFC North preview detailing the champs uh, last year and not that big a surprise that they won the division. If you guys remember the conversation I had with our guest Chris Gates a year ago at this time, I uh, very clearly stated that, um, you know, I thought that the Vikings were for real and that actually people were kind of sleeping on them. I wouldn't have been surprised at all to see them go 11 and 5 and make the playoffs and Well, they won 13 games instead and almost went to the Super Bowl last year. So uh, expectations are super high uh, up north in Minnesota to see if uh, the Vikings can't make good on the improvements that they made. Can they continue the momentum that they had in 2017? Or, you know, as I said in the open, was it all just magic? Was it just one of those years for the Vikings last year? And uh, reality comes crashing back down here in 2018. We'll have to wait and see. I mean, I've talked to all of our NFC North uh, uh, brethren, including, uh, you know, and I will continue the conversation with Lauren Cox when we have him on to talk about the Bears, is, um, you know, the NFC North is going to be an absolute uh, hell's gate this year. You know, I I honestly believe that, Uh, you know, I wasn't just blowing smoke for for our uh, respective guests or anything because, you know, they're my favorite guests and all that kind of stuff. I legitimately think the NFC North will go down as the best division in football this year, that we very well could have a 500 team finish in fourth place uh, this season. And, and, uh, you know, that uh, some, you know, I think that we're going to we is in the NFC North or we're going to come out ahead more than we're not. Uh, this season. I really do think that we aren't going to have uh you know, there's a very good possibility we won't have a, a losing record amongst the four teams uh in the division, uh this year. I believe that strongly in, in what this division is capable of this year. You know, the improvements that everybody has made um this year. And I know it's gonna take a lot of uh good fortune for that all to work out and for that to actually happen i mean this is the nfl after all and unfortunately we reside in the nfc where there's a different champion just about every single year a new king emerges in the nfc uh to go to the super bowl so it's uh it's a a, a gauntlet of a conference uh to get through uh, most of our nfc champions are beat up come super bowl time because they had to run through a hell of a hell of a maze to get to the Super Bowl itself, but, uh, you know, the NFC champs won the Super Bowl last year, and the Eagles, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a tough, tough conference uh, to get through, and Chris even touches upon that uh, a little when we get into that conversation towards the end of the conversation, so, uh, you know, it, it really is uh, going to be a special year for the NFC North, I truly believe that. Uh, Unfortunately, we're in a position we might be coming in fourth place again, but at the same time, it's going to be a bittersweet thing if it happens that way. I do honestly believe the Bears are going to make significant progress this year, enough progress that uh, 2019 will be serious discussion about what the Bears are going to be capable of uh, come the regular season a year from now. Um, but um, you know we might still end up being the last place team uh, in the division. So I mean it's um, it's going to be an interesting season if if everything works out the way that I that I think it will. Um, we very well could have all three playoff spots uh, or both wild card spots and the division champ uh, going in uh, to the playoffs this year. I think will be the NFC South of this season. You know they sent three out of their four playoff three out of the four division teams to the playoffs last year in, in Carolina new Orleans and, um, Atlanta, all of them made the playoffs, uh, last year. So, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how it's all going to go down. So, I mean, we're going to have a conversation with Chris Gates here, uh, about the Minnesota and what kind of amazing year it was for them. Uh, I, I do have to ask of course about the, uh, about the miracle in uh, in Minneapolis the the touchdown and with Stefan Diggs and oh in the divisional game against the Saints and and how did that all you know how' all that happen and uh, you know did he just go bananas over that moment happening and, and all that kind of stuff Chris talks about it there uh, for a few minutes um, nothing in news and notes uh, uh, right now as I've I've said before uh, there's not a lot going on on the eve of training camp and such the Bears are about uh, a week away from reporting uh for camp, you know, because of a new coach and because of our uh Hall of Fame game uh appearance. We we start a week earlier than everybody else us along with the uh the Ravens playing that game on August 2nd or 3rd, I believe. Uh one of the two. I believe it's August 2nd that we're all playing in the uh the Hall of Fame game. It's uh can't wait to see that. I mean, that's That's getting closer all the time. So, uh, you know, to see the Bears tee it up uh, against the Ravens and uh, kick off the uh, preseason, really looking uh, forward uh, to that. So, um, anyway, that's all I got. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, step aside, bring on our guest Chris Gates from SB Nation's Daily Daily Norseman to help us preview the 2018 Minnesota Vikings. And to help us finish off our preview of our NFC North opponents, last year's top finisher, the Kings of the North in 2017, the Minnesota Vikings. And to help us uh, preview that, our good friend from the beginning of the days that I actually started doing these interviews, Chris Gates from SB Nation's Daily Norseman. Chris, welcome back to the show, man.
0: Thanks for having me, Larry. Always happy to be here.
1: So quite an interesting year for you, and you and I talked about it in in this same conversation a year ago. How on paper this team looked very impressive and not at all like a team that won what seven, six, seven games the the year before.
0: Yeah, in uh, in twenty sixteen they did manage to get to eight and eight. Uh, right. Obviously, they started five and zero and then completely fell apart. That's so what it was, it was right? A, yeah, yeah. They got got off to the five and zero start and then. Uh, The offensive line just couldn't hold up anymore and everything went into the toilet after that. And uh, yeah, we... we... VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. edu podcast we knew the talent was there if uh, if people could stay healthy and yeah you know, we, we pretty much saw that in 2017 which was uh, nice to see
1: yeah we knew that the defense on paper was going to be scary um, you, we had hopes for Dalvin cook and could a healthy Sam Bradford you know keep uh, you know keep the, the, the offense uh, upright and, and put them in the end zone to score enough points to help the defense out. Well, unfortunately, you lost both Bradford and Cook, and yet you did better without them than you did with them. Uh, you know, the, than you did with them, and uh, you know, finishing thirteen and three, and uh, having by far one of the best defenses if in the NFL, if not statistically uh, the best, and just uh, you know, going through the schedule. And you and I said that I could, I could, you know, um, realistically see eleven wins. Out of this team, we were wrong. You guys got thirteen uh, last year, so um, you know. Talk a bit about what the what the year was like. I mean, you started out two and two, kind of a slow start, and then you rattle off with like eight wins in a row before your last loss against Carolina there towards the end of the year.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was like you said, it was an up and down start to the season. I mean, they started off with the uh, the two and one, and they played the uh, the Lions in week four, and of course that was the week Dalvin Cook got hurt, so you know, everyone was gloom and doom because that guy was tearing it up before he got injured, and we he was basically the centerpiece of the offense at that point, so we didn't know uh, how the offense was going to look without him, and, you know, like you said, lo and behold, they run off eight wins in a row, and they're beating teams at home, beating teams on the road, uh, beating good teams like the Rams, uh, and, you know, basically anyone that got put in front of them, so, yeah, we got... Uh, we got too uh, late in the season, and the offensive line started to show a few cracks. And you know, we knew that was the weakest point of the roster, and that just got uh, that just got emphasized a bit in uh, both of the playoff games that the uh, the Vikings played. And it was ultimately their undoing.
1: So, what happened in the in the in the postseason? There, I mean, I watched both of those games very closely, including the divisional game, which we'll we'll talk about in a second in a little bit more depth. But you know, in the playoffs. The defense that in the last three weeks of the season in three games had allowed 17 points to Cincinnati, Green Bay, and Chicago, obviously not the most prolific offenses in the NFL, but the defense showed its might in those last three weeks, you know, averaging just over five points a game in those last three games. You gave up 62 points in the win over New Orleans combined with the loss to Philadelphia. So what was going on with the defense? Was it the shortcomings of the offense keeping the defense on the field and them getting tired out?
0: I think it probably had something to do with that. I mean, it wasn't even the, the last two games. It was the last six quarters because hmm. at, at halftime of that uh, divisional game, it was 17 to nothing, Minnesota. Right. And, yeah, the, the Saints, I don't know what they saw in the second half. Uh, I think the defensive line uh, started to wear down a little bit. Uh, I know Everson Griffin was playing most of the uh, second half of the season with injury issues, and, yeah, but I, I don't understand what the Saints saw and the Eagles saw. The Eagles obviously saw something they could capitalize on. right? But, uh, yeah, I, I'm not completely sure what the genesis of the defense falling apart the way it did was. But, uh, yeah, it was it was kind of disheartening. I mean, obviously they pulled out the uh, the one victory, but they – couldn't do it two weeks in a row even against you know an offense that you know really hadn't been tearing it up leading into that uh that nfc championship game
1: yeah it just seemed kind of like a, a perfect storm kind of game against the the eagles there where nothing went right for minnesota and everything went right for philadelphia philadelphia i mean it just appeared like the writing was on the wall like early in the first half of the game that this just wasn't going to be minnesota's night
0: no, it wasn't. I mean, they, they went down and got their touchdown on the first drive of the game and took that 7 nothing lead. And, yeah, they forced a punt on the first Philadelphia possession, I believe. And then after that, uh, Keenum threw the pick six to Patrick Robinson. And, yeah, it was all downhill from there. After that, they just couldn't couldn't generate anything on offense, couldn't stop anything on defense. And that's generally a, a pretty bad formula for yes. NFL to uh, put together
1: yeah not a good recipe uh, for victory there so let's talk about the positive point of the postseason the last 10 seconds of that divisional (laughs) game um were you did you go bananas when that actually happened because i'm not a vikings fan and i almost lost my mind when i saw that happen so what did somebody who actually has a an emotional investment in the team actually go through in that moment
0: well, it was, it was strange because, you know, as, as a writer, I'm sitting here and I want to get my post-game story out there, you know, as soon as the game is over. So I already had my, uh, damn it, the Vikings lost, uh, <laughs> we got our hearts broken again sort of story, blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting there, and I'm watching the last 10 seconds, and I can confirm that I scared the hell out of my wife and my dog uh, <laughs> with the celebration because, you know, the, the reaction, you you watch Keenum throw the pass and you see Diggs catch it. And obviously, your first reaction is get the heck out of bounds because yeah. you don't have eight timeouts left and you're thinking that Forbath is going to come in and attempt a 50-something yard field goal. And Diggs puts one hand on the ground and starts running for the end zone and about 10 yards into it, you realize there's nobody back there and he's right. just going to keep running. And it, it was it was insane. It was in over 30 years of watching Vikings football is probably the most insane thing I've ever seen uh, from this team. I mean, we've all seen it about 8,000 times and sure. it never gets old. And, yeah, it, it was it was crazy. I mean, Twitter went crazy. Uh, the, the comments section on the website went crazy. And it was, it, it was really something to behold, I'm not going to lie.
1: Yeah, I spent a good couple hours uh, that night watching reaction – Videos like people uh, taping or filming the last 10 seconds, uh, you know, of the, you know, on both sides, Vikings fans and Saints fans just watching the utter joy on one side and the utter despair uh, on the other. Um, The only thing that I can think of that would come close to that for me as a Bear fan would be that game uh, against the Cardinals back in 06 they're down 20 to nothing at one point and they end up coming back in the fourth quarter and Devin Hester ices it with a with a punt return that puts the bears ahead uh, seemingly for good and you know that's what ended up winning when he broke that kick and ran it back for a touchdown I lost it even though there were still like 4 minutes left in the game I mean this is sudden death this is a walk-off touchdown we don't have a lot of those in the NFL. This is walk-off in the divisional round at home. The U.S. Bank Stadium's lucky the roof is still connected to the top of the building.
0: Oh, yeah. And, yeah, that uh, I remember that Bears game. That was a, that was a Monday night, and, of course, yeah. that led to one of the great post-game press conference speeches <laughs> yes. of all time, courtesy of uh, Green, Minnesota Vikings Ring of Honor inductee Dennis Green. Right. I, I, I remember that like it was yesterday. That dude was angry. And he had every reason to be angry because, yeah, you just don't see stuff like
1: that all the time. Yeah, that was pretty bananas. So, I mean, um, you know, but it was obviously a very solid year uh, from the team. Um, You know, Case Keenum kind of coming out of nowhere to be the savior uh, of the team, being a a more than solid backup. And and it was kind of the year of the backups, at least in the NFC. Uh, Anyway, Nick Foles uh, taking over for – Carson Wentz, and even though you know he went down much later in the season than uh, Case Keenum coming in, but you know, uh, I mean, especially in the situation where Keenum comes in, he helps get you a win over Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, the loss against Detroit, uh, Bradford tries to come back in that Monday night game against Chicago. It was a tale of two halves for the Vikings. Bradford was a disaster in the first two quarters, and the Bears dominating the game, uh, even though the score didn't translate into such. But the Bears were, you know, killing the Vikings in that first game, just dominating them uh, on offense. And then Keith Keenum comes in in the second half. All of a sudden, the audience, the the audience, the offense is functioning, and that was the beginning of the of the eight game win streak. Right there was that first win uh, in Chicago, and the Vikings and the offense were rolling after that.
0: Yeah, Sam Bradford had no business being out there that night. I no, don't know why Mike not Zimmer all. ran him out there. That was in a year of very few bad mike zimmer decisions that was probably the worst one because yeah he he couldn't move he couldn't protect himself he had no business being out there that night but yeah like you said case keenum comes in and then we had the crazy bears fake punt touchdown (laughs) to tie things back weird stuff always happens at soldier field i think we said that we talked about these uh these games last year but yeah then uh yeah then we get the uh the harrison smith interception at the end and yeah it was the uh the start of something big like you said
1: yeah it was uh it was a it was a pretty interesting uh game because you know all of chicago is is hopes on uh, hopes on high with the first trubisky start and for the most part he showed himself to be competent and you know looked pretty good and showed flashes in that game but then made the rookie mistake there at the end to threw that pick to harrison uh Smith. And on the other hand, it was from the depths of despair to, you know, all of the joy with with Case Keenum, you know, in the second half, bringing the Vikings back and and leading them to victory there and then rattling off seven more uh, after that. So, I mean, it was uh, it was quite a year for Case Keenum. So as we transition into the offseason, why isn't Case Keenum the guy? Why is he in Denver now? And, and, uh, you know, what what was the the decision not made to hang on to him? I don't think
0: mike zimmer was ever really comfortable with case keenum i mean they wow. it, it kind of started when teddy bridgewater got activated and the, the big question every week is is teddy ready is teddy going to be coming back and you know they, they'd ask questions about case keenum every week and mike zimmer just seemed like he never really fully got on the case keenum uh, bandwagon hmm. i'm not 100 percent sure why because i mean he had a hell of a season in yeah. 2016 but you know mike zimmer expressed his uh i want to say love because that's probably too strong a term but he we wanted teddy bridgewater to be his quarterback i think and i, th- I think part of it was kind of holding out hope that he was going to be able to come back healthy and make that happen again and that's why he was never really fully committed to keenum and then uh after the offseason started and uh we learned that the Chiefs were trading Alex Smith to the Redskins, and that meant that uh, Kirk Cousins was going to hit the open market. I think uh, Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer and uh, John D. Filippo got together and said to themselves, "Hey, this is the guy that uh, gives us the best chance to move forward." So they went uh, all in after Kirk Cousins, and that's that's how uh, that all came about. I think.
1: So what are your thoughts on on them adding uh Kirk Cousins, you know? I mean, it's uh, I mean, the money aside, the first fully guaranteed contract in in uh in league history, I believe, 3 years, believe so, yes. 3 years 84 million. So he's averaging 28 million a season uh for the next 3 years to to kind of come in and pick up where the Vikings Left off. I mean, expectations are through the roof. I mean, they're expecting Kirk Cousins to lead the Vikings to a Super Bowl, not just another division title and a playoff run. You guys are supposed to be playing in Atlanta this year when the Super Bowl plays.
0: They they certainly are uh, expected to be there. And you know, given uh, what happened last season, and given uh, the fact that Kirk Cousins, at least on paper, should be an upgraded quarterback, uh, yeah, you would think that uh, that's the big reason that they're the favorites. I mean. You know, Keenum was kind of a journeyman. He never really got much of a chance prior to this season, and I'm not sure if the Vikings saw what he did this past season as being sustainable, whereas Cousins is the only quarterback in the NFL over the last three years that has thrown for uh, at least 4,000 yards, 25 touchdowns, and I believe is a passer rating over 95 in each of the last three seasons because You know, other quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers have missed games for injury reasons and stuff like that. So they obviously think Cousins' consistency uh, is a big factor in that. Uh, They brought in John DeFilippo as the offensive coordinator, and they saw what he did. He was basically the quarterback whisperer uh, last season in Philadelphia after Carson Wentz got hurt. And, yeah, I I think that they believe the uh, combination of those two things is going to be the answer on offense for them
1: you are are you are you you disappointed i mean i was the writing was on the wall i mean he was a candidate for many teams and including i wanted him to be head coach of the bears to begin with but pat Shermer uh leaving to take over the head coaching job with the uh the giants are you sad to see him go
0: i I was i mean he did a he did a really good job i thought i mean you know like we said he he had made Dalvin cook basically the centerpiece of the offense and lost him three and a half games into the season and had to completely retool not only without cook but uh with a backup quarterback and he kind of tailored the offense which is completely the opposite of what we saw during the uh the north turner years here in minnesota uh north turner would try to jam players into his system and it generally didn't work out as well as it could have whereas Shermer uh would kind of tailor his offense around the strengths of the guys that were out there whether it was uh the quicker passing game with Bradford or, uh, you know, just uh, playing to case keynote strengths or whatever the case may be. So I, I was sad to see him go. I wasn't surprised to see him go and All I right. am happy with his replacement, but, uh, yeah, I, I thought he did a pretty good job for, for the Vikings and that he deserved a second chance at a, at coaching job.
1: Yeah. He was my leading candidate. you know, coming out of the gate. I mean, the guy that we ended up with, Matt Nagy I've kind of become enamored with over time he was the first guy hired out of the gates and the last guy that I expected to be announced as head coach of the uh of the Bears Shermer was the guy that I wanted because of the work that he did with Bradford uh his continued work with Bradford over several teams and with what he was able to do with uh with Trevor Simeon and that offense uh last year I mean they got better after the starter went down they got better on offense. Uh, and continue to thrive throughout the uh, the season. So I was definitely interested in seeing what Pat Shermer might be able to do uh, in Chicago. But unfortunately, that didn't happen, and he's on his uh, he's going to see if he can revive Eli Manning's career with the Giants.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure how that's going to go. I mean, Eli's had a great career and whatnot, and I was really surprised that the Giants didn't take a quarterback at number two. Although you can't really argue the Barkley pick too much, but right. Uh, I I think that Shermer is eventually going to get, you know, his guy at quarterback. It might be in this upcoming draft 2019, but uh, I, I think he has a chance to be successful as long as the uh, Giants manage to shore up their offensive line issues, because I think they're relatively talented everywhere else from what I can remember about the roster. But uh, yeah, I, I think he's going to do all right over there.
1: Yeah, I think the the Giants tale was a very common one, especially for, for a Bears fan is that the you know, this was a roster decimated uh, by injuries. Far far more talented than the 2-14 and 14 or 3-13 and 13 they ended up being uh, last year. So a few twists and turns and some luck uh, on the offensive side. The Giants are probably going to be in decent shape uh, this year. So looking at other free agency uh, additions, um, you add some depth on the offensive line. You go out and get Josh Andrews from Philadelphia. You steal Tom Compton uh, from the Bears. Uh <laughs> You add uh, Kendall Wright, another Chicago uh, guy. He's going to be your number three, number four guy. Um, and uh, Tavares King from the Giants, who we were just talking about, all those pieces on the offensive side. I mean, where do you see those guys fitting in?
0: Uh, I'm not sure if Compton is going to have an opportunity to start. The offensive line for the Vikings is kind of getting shuffled around. Um, I mean, they're set at left tackle with uh, Riley Reef and set at center with Pat Elfline once he recovers. Or- recovers from his injury uh the guard spots still not and and the right tackle spot we're still not entirely sure uh, what's going on there uh nick easton the starter at left guard got injured late last season and uh i'm expecting that he's going to be the starter at left guard again uh for some reason the vikings seem obsessed with moving mike remmers who actually performed pretty well at right tackle last season i thought uh moving him inside as well, which is going to create an issue at, uh, at right tackle. Uh, I'm not sure if our second-round pick is going to be ready to start at right tackle yet, yet so that leaves that kind of up in the air. But, uh, yeah, the, the offensive line for the second year in a row is going to be the, uh, the big issue, and uh, Compton might be able to assert himself as a starter, but I think he'd actually uh, be better served as a, a backup at this point.
1: You also traded for Trevor Simeon. So kind of a Keenum for Simeon kind of thing, uh, happening there to, uh, to come in and and be the backup. Uh, you also, you said goodbye to Bradford Bridgewater and obviously, uh, case Keenum. So, you know, is Simeon going to be the backup or is there someone else that we don't know about that could be the number two guy?
0: Well, Vikings Twitter seems to love, uh, Kyle Sloter, who, uh, Vikings also sort of poached from Denver last season. Uh, the the Broncos tried to sneak him onto the practice squad after their final round of training camp cuts, and uh, you know, there once the uh, Vikings claimed him or signed him to the uh, practice squad, uh, there were plenty of uh, Broncos fans that were displeased with that. But uh, yeah, I would expect Simeon to be the backup. I mean, you could do worse for a backup quarterback. He's got. Uh, I believe it's about 30 starts in the National Football League. And, uh, you know, he has the experience. And and as we saw last year, uh, having an experienced backup is something that uh, can't be overvalued. So, yeah, I I firmly expect him to be the backup. I think they're going to keep Slaughter around to develop for a little longer since uh, Simeon's in the last year of his contract. And, yeah, I think that's what your uh, quarterback depth chart is going to look like.
1: And then in a move that I can only classify as the rich getting richer – you guys get Sheldon Richardson uh to add him to the interior line there uh of the of the defense and um you know it's uh, it's it's if if as if the defensive line wasn't scary enough then you add him uh in there on a one year prove it deal
0: yeah i mean the the vikings defense of the 11 starters uh, 10 of them are coming back and uh, the one that they lost in tom johnson yeah we just plug uh, Sheldon Richardson in there in his spot um I didn't do a lot of research into his uh, one season in Seattle after he played with the Jets. I think his numbers were a bit down, but uh, I'm not sure about any of the uh, analytics or that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, he, he's a former first-round pick. He's had uh, success in the National Football League before, and, yeah, planting him on the inside next to uh, Linval Joseph and with Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter on the ends, that's that's, uh, that's going to be a scary situation for uh, offensive coordinators to have to deal with. So I'm, um, I think I'm looking forward to seeing Richardson out there almost as much as uh, seeing how well cousins handles this offense.
1: So when looking at your departures. We already talked about all three quarterbacks being gone. Was it a bittersweet thing to see Teddy Bridgewater go? It, it
0: definitely was. I mean, the guy had endeared himself to the twin cities community. Uh, he was the quarterback in 2015 when the Vikings went to the postseason and should have gotten a playoff victory. Right. Uh, then the, uh, the 2016 season, uh, all we talked, all we heard about was how much progress Bridgewater was making and he looked good in the preseason. And, you know, the next thing you know, he's in an ambulance going to get his leg repaired and we're trading for Sam Bradford a week before the season starts. And yeah, I, I think people really wanted the Bridgewater come back to, uh, to be, you know, completed in Minnesota, but, uh, yeah, it just wasn't going to end up happening, and you know the Vikings saw more of him than anybody. And if they thought he wasn't ready to be a, a starting, contributing quarterback in the National Football League, well, it's kind of hard to argue with that, I guess.
1: Right, you lose Joe Berger to to retirement, so that's one of the holes that was that's being reshuffled uh, on that uh, on that front five there on the offensive side. And you also say goodbye to Jarek McKinnon, who's now off with the. 49ers, even though you do have Dalvin Cook coming back, how much are you guys going to miss him?
0: Well, McKinnon kind of became uh, you know, an added luxury with uh, Dalvin Cook coming back. I mean, they're kind of the same sort of back. Um, and McKinnon had to know that with Cook returning to the, uh, the Vikings backfield, that the touches just weren't going to be there for him. Uh, he's got the ability to be a starting level running back. I thought the The contract that the Niners gave him was just crazy. It's like four years, $30 million, and I don't think he's ever had uh, 600 rushing yards in a season. So, Hmm. obviously, they saw something in him that uh, Kyle Shanahan likes, and I I hope for the best for him. I hope he does well, you know, after week one.
1: Right. So, I mean, we, we move on to the draft, and... You know, because of your outstanding finish, picking at the bottom uh, of the first round, which is you know usually a good thing, because that meant you had a pretty great season. Um, But even at number uh, thirty, in in a draft where there was a lot of there was first round talent as deep as the fifties into the second round, because of this quarterback quandary at the top of the draft, pushing guys that would have gone much higher in a regular year. Uh, pushing them down the board and thinking with with joe berger retiring that the vikings might be looking at interior line and one of the best interior linemen in the draft and will hernandez was still available at 30 but instead the vikings go to add depth at the corner position and try to revitalize their kicking uh their kick return game by drafting mike hughes out of uh out of ucf i mean what were your thoughts on that move
0: i was really surprised by it i mean i knew that uh, Mike Zimmer liked his defensive backs. And in today's NFL, you can never have too much secondary depth. But I think just about everybody, whether it was us at our site or the, uh, the guys at like the Star Tribune and the Pioneer Press and whatnot, I think they were all expecting Minnesota to take an offensive lineman at that spot, especially, as you said, there were plenty of talented players uh, at the guard position, which is the biggest weakness on this team. Uh, at number thirty, when the Vikings selected, I mean Hernandez was there, and Austin Corbett was there, mm-hmm. and you know there are a couple other names that uh, escape me at the moment. But I, I think everyone was pretty surprised, and most of the Vikings draft Twitter was uh, pretty angry actually when uh, when the Hughes pick came up. I mean, obviously he's got talent. Uh, he was projected in the mid-first round in a lot of the mocks, and getting him at number thirty is good value. And you know. As much as the focus was on the offensive line uh, for the Vikings going into the draft, um, you have to kind of figure that with the secondary, I mean, yeah, they've got Xavier Rhodes locked up for a while, but uh, Trey Waynes is getting near the end of his rookie deal. Uh, he's got a kind of he, – he's improved massively over the uh, t- the time he's been in the league, but uh, you know we're going to have to see that continue from him. Uh, the rest of your secondary, you've got Mackenzie Alexander, who's still kind of up and down. Uh, Terrence Newman is going to turn 40 here before too much longer, and you don't know how much longer he can maintain. And, yeah, Hughes gives them the opportunity to add depth not only to the secondary, but he's a uh, outstanding return guy as well. So, yeah, the, uh, the Vikings saw the opportunity to add talent. I guess they stayed true to their draft board and took the, the – uh, the guy that they thought was the best available player for the uh, team at that spot.
1: It just seemed like such a luxury at that point, you know, with the Vikings having some real needs and very, very good player. I mean, it's not like they would have been stretching for Will Hernandez uh, at 30. And and like you said, Mike Hughes was a great value pick at 30 to get him there. But like you said, you still have Trey Waynes, even though he's nearing the end of his rookie contract. Xavier Rhodes is locked up. You got Mackenzie Alexander. It just seemed like overkill or the rich getting richer like i mentioned before you know adding a mike hughes when you know a a need spot was there and there was a very good player a couple as we mentioned to to fill that spot
0: yeah i mean it kind of it it is i mean you know the the cornerback position wasn't the biggest need it was a need uh it probably wasn't as big a need as the offensive line but you know with the with the way that Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman have discovered talent over the last few years and they thought Hughes was the guy. I mean, at this point, uh, I really don't have any reason not to give them the, uh, the benefit of the
1: doubt here. Sure, sure. I mean, but it's also at the same time, you got to think it's, it's also Mike Zimmer who comes from Cincinnati where they drafted a corner in the first round like nine years in a row with him and, and Marvin Lewis. Out there, it just seemed like for no matter where they were on the draft board, they were taking a corner uh, in the first round somehow uh, up down there in Cincinnati. So, I guess it shouldn't be too, uh, too surprising that uh, several of the first round picks that in the, the very short Mike, uh, Mike Zimmer era have been corners uh, coming off the board. So, not too surprising, I guess. But, uh, you know, like we mentioned, with, with, a, with offensive line or, or guard in this particular case being an actual need. Uh, on the team at the time, uh, they must have had a much higher grade on Mike Hughes to take him over Hernandez in that first round.
0: I, I'm assuming that they did. I mean, and the other part of it, and you hate to look at it this way, but I don't think the Vikings anticipated the run on interior offensive linemen uh, coming at the top of round two the way that it did. Sure, because yeah, they had uh, they had Corbett go off the board, they had Hernandez go off the board, and there were. Two or three other guys that went in the first 10 or 15 picks of the second round, and I think that may have caught the Vikings by surprise. I don't know if they could go back and do it over again if they would take, like, Corbett or Hernandez instead of Hughes and wait to address the corner position or another position in the second round. But, you know, that's just the way the draft works out sometimes, and if that's the case, it's uh, kind of surprising to see uh, Rick Spielman get worked like that.
1: I mean, the same thing happened with the uh, with the Bears. We were kind of honing in on and hoping that Quentin Nelson would fall to us uh, in the first round. Instead, the Colts go ahead and snag him a few picks before us. We go ahead and take the best player on our board, which is Roquan Smith. I can't wait to see what that kid uh, is going to do. But then when we get into the second round, at the beginning of the second round, Austin Corbett is there, Will Hernandez is there. Uh, by the time we pick at 39, both those guys are off the board, but... What many people consider to be the best center in the draft is still there, James Daniels from the University of Iowa, and that's who the Bears end up uh, end up taking. A guy that had a mid-first round grade, we get him in the seventh, eighth pick in in the second round. So it was a real strong draft as far as the the top heavy talent. I mean, there were players that had first round grades going in in the in the mid fifties. Uh, in this draft. So I guess maybe you're right. I mean, the, the next pick was the Vikings uh, picking at 62, so not too far from where that, that cutoff was as far as where you could still get a first-round guy. You end up getting Brian O'Neal, the offensive tackle, from Pitt, who you mentioned earlier might be in contention to be a starter this year?
0: I think the Vikings would like for him to be the starter right tackle this year. The, the big knock on him was that he didn't quite have the uh, the level of strength that mm. I think they wanted He's a ridiculously good athlete. I mean, he came to Pittsburgh as a tight end. Uh, They asked him to move to offensive tackle, so he put on like 25 or 30 pounds and moved to offensive tackle. But, you know, he scored two or three touchdowns in college, and, you know, he went and lit it up at the combine and the athletic drills. And, you know, if he can get to the the level of strength that the Vikings want him at, he could be the starter at right tackle. But, uh, you know, what you want to avoid is kind of a – A TJ Clemmings situation like what the Vikings dealt with a few years ago because they got Clemmings, who was, you know, projected to be a first round pick on some boards. They got him in the fourth round. And I think the plan with him was to kind of let him develop for a year and, you know, not put too much pressure on him. And then in the second game of the preseason that year, Phil Loadholt tears his Achilles and is gone for the season. And they look at Clemmings and go, all right, you're the starting right tackle for us now. And, you know, he, it, he might have developed differently if he could have gotten that time, but he didn't, and he was kind of a disaster for the Vikings for a couple of years. So I think they might play it a little more cautiously with O'Neal. And, uh, you know, if he's ready, awesome. And if he's not, well, he can uh, be a sixth offensive lineman in different situations and whatnot. And, yeah, we'll we'll have to see how he develops. But that's one of the, uh, the big things we're going to be looking at for a uh, training camp this year, I think.
1: Uh, in the fifth round, you go ahead and you draft a kicker, Daniel Carlson, out of Auburn, and everything that I'm reading says it's basically his race to lose in the kicking game this year.
0: It is. I mean, they re-signed Kai Forbath to a one-year deal, but Forbath doesn't have any guaranteed money in his contract. And, you know, they they traded up to take uh, Carlson in the fifth round. And if you're going to trade up to draft a kicker, I mean, the Vikings can tell us that there's a uh, – kicking competition as much as they want to but uh unless Daniel Carlson gets injured it, it's his job
1: um you uh Jalen Holmes was the pick in the fourth round that we were talking about before you got Tyler Conklin a tight end from Central Michigan Kobe Gossett a guard from Appalachian State in the sixth round uh Ade Aruna Is I believe that that's right? how it's pronounced. okay yeah, that's right to me defensive end uh from Tulane and then you round out the draft Devontae a- De- excuse me Devontae Downs I was gonna say Devontae Adams Devontae <laughs> Downs a linebacker from Cal so aside from Hughes possibly O'Neal and uh Carlson the kicker it looks like we're, we're adding depth uh to the to the roster here as opposed to guys that you're expecting immediate impact from
0: I think that's kind of what they're going for and you know they've uh they, they found something that they like about, uh, guys like, uh, Aruna. Uh, we did a post, uh, not too long ago because, uh, one of the draft experts and his name escapes me right now too, but, uh, they, uh, they thought that Aruna might be the, uh, the best fit, uh, for the Vikings just because they look at him. Apparently he, uh, he had a, a pretty good combine and his stats in college didn't blow anyone away, but, uh, you know, at Tulane, apparently they were playing a 3-4 defense where he was asked to do more uh, taking on blockers than uh, rushing the quarterback and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, they they apparently like his athletic ability, and, yeah, hopefully he can develop it into something. But, yeah, once you got past the first two picks in the kicker, it's, uh, it's a lot of depth for a team that, uh, as, as far as starters go, are as talented as anyone in the league. But, uh, yeah, still need someone behind those guys if the uh, – Worst case happens,
1: right? Exactly. I mean, it it makes perfect sense when you when you think about it that uh, you know when your 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 roster is as solidified as the the Vikings roster is as far as who the starters, who the clear cut starters are uh, on the team. You know, it it makes a lot of sense that the guys that you would go for in the draft would be more depth uh, guys and and uh, you know guys that can maybe contribute in a pinch, but for the most part, they're there to you know, to, to play backup instead of, you know, being the guy, uh, going forward.
0: Yeah. I mean, looking at the, the other guys they draft, I mean, Conklin has a chance to make an impact as a, uh, a second tight end, uh, one of those, uh, former basketball player types that switches to football and winds up playing tight end. So we'll have to see how he develops, but yeah, the, the Vikings got uh, a lot of guys they can try to develop and don't necessarily need to, uh, Throw them into the fire right away, which is always helpful.
1: So we look at the uh, the schedule uh, for the Vikings, starting off at home against the, the 49ers. Uh, week one matchups are always interesting because you never really know what to expect. How much of 2017 will carry over into that first week of the season? I mean, first week of the season for me is, is always a, a crapshoot. You know, I, I've talked about it a million times how – uh, the first year, like 1996, I mean, we're, we're dialing it back here, but 96, the Bears are playing host on Monday Night Football to the Dallas Cowboys, the defending world champions. We took the Cowboys to the woodshed on national television. I mean, just blew them like, like we knew everything they were going to do. They couldn't do a thing against the Bears uh, in that game, and I think the Bears finished 5-11. and uh, that year, something sad, and and I, you know, it's like that. That week one performance was not backed up at all, dominating the world champions and ragdolling them all over the field. You see things like that happen all the time. I mean, you bear witness. We talked about it at the top of the show a five and 0 start from the Vikings two years ago. They finished three and eight the rest of the way. Don't make the playoffs. So you know, you know, those fast starts don't mean much. And everybody's expecting big things from San Francisco. This year, will Jimmy Garoppolo stay undefeated as a starter, and you know keep things going with Week One against the Vikings on the road?
0: Yeah, I mean we see weird stuff like that. I mean the best example I think I can come up with for Minnesota is I believe it was uh, 2001 after they had gone to the NFC Championship game, and they uh, they host the Carolina Panthers in Week One at the Metrodome. Uh, Steve Smith uh, kickoff return for a touchdown, and you know the Panthers put up pretty good beat down on minnesota and they uh they start out one and zero, and they lost their last 15 they games went one in
1: 15 that year that's right that year.
0: yeah yep so uh yeah weird stuff happens in week one uh obviously uh at the end of last season the uh the Niners were possibly the hottest team in the national football league thanks to uh handsome jimmy garoppolo who i guess is the best looking damn quarterback ever for something
1: i at- I don't know about these things. I keep hearing that as my, my his his name is Jimmy GQ. So oh. I guess that oh, should kind of yeah. tell you. I mean, Wonder- all the, the guy needs to be in LA, not San Francisco for how pretty he is. He should be in, <laughs> in Los Angeles, not San Francisco, but uh, yeah, Jimmy GQ, he went five and zero as a starter, uh, which of course began in soldier field against the bears, which, you know, <laughs> you're welcome, San Francisco, I guess. But You know, they win five games. Three of those games were against playoff teams, uh, Jacksonville, Tennessee, and the Rams at the end of uh, the year. And so hopes are as high as they can possibly be. The 49ers finally have their quarterback. Uh, You know, they're established with their offense and all that kind of stuff. But here they come running into the buzzsaw that is Minnesota in the building where they don't lose many games. So I don't know how that's going to go. I think Jimmy G's looking at his first loss as a uh, starter on opening day.
0: I certainly hope so, because, uh, yeah, the the Niners have done a lot of good things, but they still have some holes on defense. So uh, hopefully uh, we'll get an opportunity to see the Vikings exploit that a little bit.
1: Then you're on the road at Green Bay. Um, I would recommend that – oh, who was it that hurt Aaron Rodgers? Anthony Barr. There we go. Anthony Barr. I would – recommend bulletproof vests that day you know possibly going into Green Bay that early in the season if any gets if he gets anywhere near Aaron Rodgers all hell might break loose in that one uh week three you come back home for Buffalo then the quick turnaround the Thursday night at the Rams uh, in Los Angeles uh, that could be a very interesting game very a very a, 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 a good early test for both teams I
0: think so I mean the Rams have added a lot of talent particularly on the defensive side and we know how good their offense is after uh the kind of numbers they put up last year so yeah it, it should be a uh, a relatively close game i mean it's going to be a thursday night game so who knows what's going to happen in that right. one but uh, yeah we'll uh we'll have to see how that one works out
1: week five you're at philadelphia another i mean back-to-back road games on both on opposite ends of the coast you're going to los angeles for thursday night you get a break you get that 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 mid-by kind of thing uh, for the for the Eagles but you're heading back to the East Coast on the road at Philadelphia returning to the scene of the crime uh, basically I mean you know those are that's two tough tests back to back at LA at Philadelphia unfortunately it worked out that way for the for the Vikings this time around
0: yeah I mean you know you, you know who you're gonna play but you don't know when and that yeah you know, like you said that's just sort of the way things worked out it, it is nice they get kind of the mini buy uh for that one but yeah that's uh between the between the green bay game and then those back to back road games i mean not to overlook the bills or anything but yeah that uh, that four game stretch with those three road games is probably going to be the uh, the toughest stretch of minnesota's schedule
1: yeah learn a lot about the team by the uh by the beginning of october there you know if you're still standing three three and two at the worst four and one you know, possibly even 5-0. and I mean, I think you can probably win all of these games, but, you know, will you is the real question, you know, when it all comes down to it. I mean, it would be very interesting to see, you know, even though we've been fooled by a fast five-game start before, legitimately, if if you guys are still in one piece after these first five-game stretch with three tough games on the road to start, we're going to know a lot about the Vikings at that point in the season.
0: Yeah, we, we certainly will because, yeah, they, those are not uh, pushovers. Uh, obviously the rams and the eagles were both playoff teams last year and green bay gets aaron Rodgers back which single-handedly makes them relevant again right so yeah it's going to be uh it's going to be uh interesting to watch
1: so things lighten up a bit uh for you after that the after you know three out of four on the road now you got three out of four at home home for arizona you're at the jets Home for New Orleans, which of course is on national TV, Sunday night football, because after that happened in the divisional <laughs> round, why not? And then yep. uh, home for Detroit before a week 10 bye. So I've been asking everybody where you kind of sit with the bye. Week 10 is basically midseason. We're like pretty much dead set right in the middle. So that's a good spot for a, for a bye, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's good. I mean, you always, I mean, I've always preferred seeing the team get the later bye. I, don't like it when the bye comes in like week five or week six. because <laughs> We've seen that in the past, but uh, yeah, week 10 is a, a good spot. Uh, give guys a little bit of time to heal up if they need it and, you know, get ready for the uh, stretch run.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, the, the bears got, uh, they drew the week five by uh, this year. And I've, and I've kind of been teetering uh, six in one hand, half a dozen in the other kind of thing because of our new coach, all the new moving parts we have on offense week five seems like a good time to take a break look at how the first quarter of the season went what's working what isn't you know that kind of thing but then the you know the flip side is that you got 12 straight weeks of football after that without a break and um you know so that's where it gets like week five seems like a good spot for this team this year but um you know, otherwise it's like, geez, we got 12 games after that, and we play the 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 Lions. We're the team that plays the Lions on Thanksgiving this year, so we get that mini buy after after the Thanksgiving game, essentially. But for the most part, it's 12 weeks straight of football after a very early buy uh, for the Bears uh, this year. So, speaking of the Bears, after your bye week, you're in Chicago playing our uh, my beloved Chicago Bears. Two straight divisional games after the bye at Chicago the rematch with Green Bay at home this time also on Sunday night football and then at New England so an interesting three-game run after the bye for the Vikings there
0: yeah I mean it, it's best or better to have uh, the late Green Bay game uh, at home I think the last couple of years they've gone to uh Green Bay in uh week 16 so it's uh, nice that we actually got the road trip to Lambeau out of the way in week two this year instead um and then yeah the uh, the trip to uh to foxborough is going to be interesting because that's uh yeah the first sunday in december uh weather could be a factor and the the patriots are the patriots i mean you know what else can you say about them they're you know the the best team in the afc just about every year and you know if we if we don't know who the vikings are by then we'll certainly know who they are after that one i think
1: right. two divisional games and then the best team on the in the afc that's uh an interesting way to kick things off there at the bye. And then the last four games at Seattle on Monday night football, home for the Dolphins at Detroit, and then stop me if you've heard this before, Chris. <laughs> You're finishing the season at home against the Bears. So you there know, you go.
0: I, I keep expect I keep expecting every year to hear that the uh, the final regular season game is gonna be Vikings at Bears instead and the league just keeps putting it in Minnesota instead. Yeah. You know, since that since this new format came along, they've played at Detroit Week Seventeen and at Green Bay Week Seventeen, and they've hosted all three of those teams Week Seventeen. But I, I don't think they've played at Chicago on, in this format, with the Week Seventeen being all divisional games. I don't understand why. But uh, I think
1: yeah, that's you're just right, actually. Yeah, do it. I think you're right. I, I can't think of a time where we've actually hosted the Vikings to close out. Uh, the year it's like that. That game, the Chicago Minnesota game, is usually one of those early fall matchups. Like it is, uh, well, actually, it's a little bit later than usual this year, week eleven. But it's usually mm-hmm. that you know mid. I mean, a few years back, it was week week two that we played in Chicago. Uh, a few years back, it's it was an October game. You know, early October, that kind of thing. It's not. Uh, it's it's not often that we're playing in the elements in Chicago, when the Vikings come to town, it's, uh, usually those later games always take place in the dome.
0: Yeah. And you know, this is, I think it's the fourth time in five years it's been, it uh, yeah bears at Vikings because the one year they played, uh, green Bay in week 17 for the division title. And yeah, the, every, every year of the Mike Zimmer era with that one exception has been, uh, bears at Vikings in week 17. So yeah, that's, uh, I don't know why the NFL keeps doing it that way, but they that's just what they've decided to go with, I guess.
1: My theory is because they hate the Bears, uh, and they know the, the history of the rivalry, which for the most part, uh, the, I think two out of the last three years, we've kind of gone against, against the grain on that, but uh, the, the Bears win in Chicago the Vikings win in Minnesota. So they always want the bears to finish with a loss in Minnesota. Cause for whatever reason, <laughs> we can't figure out how to win a football game, uh, in, in, uh, in Minnesota, no matter what time of year we play, but you're right. This is the fourth time in five years and the third year in a row that the bears and Vikings are finishing the year, uh, in Minnesota. So it, uh, as much as I enjoy these divisional matchups to close out the game, or close out the season, I should say, I would like a little bit more variety out of the NFL when the schedule comes out next April.
0: Well, I mean, they've got to change it eventually, you would think. But uh, yeah, unfortunately for the Bears, at least that's uh, that's just the way it uh, happens to fall. And yeah, I mean, who knows? It was maybe 2019, we'll, uh, we'll see that uh, reversed a little bit. But yeah, I mean... The, the NFL hates us too, if it's any consolation. I, mean, I think, uh, I, I think unless you're a Patriots fan, I, I think you, well, the, the Patriots can say that the NFL hates them too. So, you know, fans of every team just kind of have the feeling that uh, the national football league hates them, which is, uh, I guess part of what makes the national football league. So, uh, so good.
1: <laughs> so, but speaking of division, you know, we're talking about, you finished with two division games there at the end. Uh, at Detroit and home for the Bears you know I've been talking about this with all of my other NFC brethren up to this point and talking about how this year um, the NFC in general is going to be a hell's gate for anyone who could try to has to get through it to get to the Super Bowl this year but I honestly believe that by the end of the season we as in the NFC North will be able to make a case that we've got the best division in football this year
0: Oh, I, I don't think there's going to be any question about it by the time the uh, the season finishes because, yeah, we've, we've seen the Vikings, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers coming back, like we said, single-handedly makes the Packers a relevant football team again. Uh, Detroit is not a bad football team. I mean, they have their issues, obviously, and, you know, the Bears uh, did what they needed to do this offseason. They took uh, the offense and put a couple of... Uh, pretty talented pieces around uh mitch trubisky and you know if that offense takes a step forward uh the the division just by itself is going to be a dogfight. fight never mind the uh the out of division games and the uh the out of conference games against the uh afc east
1: yeah because everybody got better in one way or another uh this year for you know for 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 a few teams that were actually pretty good to start with you know the the you you, you like you said adding aaron Rodgers to the to the Back to the Packers, at least gets them three wins they didn't have last year. So that's they were seven and nine last year without him for most of the year. So that's ten and six. There's a playoff team right there. Uh, the Lions were on the cusp of it but couldn't seem to win when they needed to last year. Nine and seven, just barely missing the playoffs. The Vikings being thirteen and three and, and being a juggernaut last year, and then the Bears being one of the more improved rosters in football this year, especially on the offensive side plus the potential of what could happen with this new offense that that McNagy's going to employ in Chicago the potential is there that like you said getting through the division itself could be a a, a dogfight as you put it just it could be a, a massacre trying to get through it and, and god help anybody that has to play us uh on the outside
0: yeah i mean you know we get the uh, the NFC West this year i mean they they might be a little bit down i mean seattle's probably going to be down Arizona is probably going to be down. Uh, San Francisco, we still don't know what we're going to get, really. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the the Rams are a pretty solid football team that added a lot of pieces as well. And, you know, we get the uh, AFC East on the other side. And with the exception of the Patriots, I don't know if any of those three uh, other AFC East teams are going to be doing too much. But, yeah, the, the NFC at this point is so much better than the AFC is. I mean, the AFC, you've got. New England and Pittsburgh and you could probably throw Jacksonville in there
1: mm-hmm. and
0: the rest of the conference is just kind of yeah yeah whereas the uh, the NFC and you can look at each division and see a couple of teams that uh, could be playoff teams I mean you know the the NFC North has at, at least three potential playoff teams maybe four mm-hmm. uh, the NFC South uh, sent three teams to the playoffs last year and those teams are all uh, going to be relevant again and you know, yeah, the NFC is just so much better than the AFC, and yeah. you know, whoever comes out of the A- NFC is probably going to be beaten up, but they're going to be uh, pre tested as well.
1: Absolutely, I mean, that's all I've been I've been saying that for years. Actually, you know, you go through it, and you know, I was I took uh, took stock uh, not too long ago. Um, I think sometime around the Super Bowl last year, um, you know. I think there have been five teams since 2000, five teams in the AFC to go to 17 Super Bowls or whatever it was. And I think it was like 11 or 12 teams in the NFC that have gone to the, to the Super Bowl because the NFC, the NFC is always sending a different team aside from the, the Seahawks going back to back in 2013 and 2014. It's been a new team every year uh, since the new millennium has started when it was kind of a carousel between New England, uh, uh, Pittsburgh, uh, and, and New England. Indianapolis, New England, Pittsburgh. And then maybe once in a while the Ravens would show up. and then But it was pretty much that was it as far as who went to the Super Bowl. I think the fifth team was the Raiders in 2002. But otherwise, it was one of the usual suspects playing whoever made it through the NFC that year.
0: Yeah, I mean... Yeah, and and I think the Broncos got to a couple.
1: Yes, uh, the Broncos. that was the other one I was thinking of.
0: Yep, Uh, the. But yeah, I mean the the NFC. I mean, we see a lot of change every year. I mean, I think it was four or five years in a row in the uh, NFC South where the team that had finished in last place the season before went on to win the division. Right. And uh, yeah, the the teams in the NFC. It seems that there's a lot more volatility in the NFC than there is in the AFC because you know you've got darth belichick over in new england and <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it seems like no matter what happens in pittsburgh the, the steelers are always good it doesn't matter you know who their coach is who their who their quarterback is or anything else it just seems like pittsburgh is always there
1: mm-hmm. and
0: uh yeah you know, there's those two teams that are the the kind of top of the uh the ladder there and jacksonville has uh, put themselves into that conversation as well but yeah, the NFC just has so much more change than the AFC does, and that's that's been highlighted in the uh, the Super Bowl teams, like you said.
1: Yeah, and it's it's far more exciting uh, to watch. The AFC playoffs, for the most part, are pretty boring year in and year out. I mean, how many years in a row have we seen New England and Pittsburgh have to butt heads in the championship game, or or something like that? When it's you know pretty much a different team every time around. Uh, on the NFC so it makes for more exciting football on the NFC side when when the you know the door is constantly the 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 landscape is constantly changing who's the best and you know who who emerges uh kind of thing so it's uh it's far more exciting and I'm really looking forward to seeing what our division is going to put together uh, this year, not only against each other, but, uh, you know, against everyone else. I mean, it's it's likely the Bears could be a 500 team and still finish in fourth place this year because everyone else in the division is that good.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's entirely possible. I mean, I'm not sure if we've seen a fourth place team in a division go 500. I mean, we probably have. I just can't remember uh, who it was or when it would have been. But, yeah, the, I, I think the NFC North is the most talented division, one to four. Uh, in the nfc and as a result in the in the entire nfl and yeah it, it's going to be uh it's going to be tough but uh yeah we'll have to see who uh who has what it takes to come out at uh, at number one
1: well chris we appreciate you as always uh coming in and, and helping us preview these uh vikings um we won't talk to you again until the week of november 18th so it's going to be about four full months before we get a chance to uh talk again but by the time you guys are coming out of that bye you'll have nine games under your belt and we should pretty well know what uh what the vikings are going to be up to for that last stretch run there towards the end
0: yeah i mean that's uh, it's going to be the kickoff to the second half of the season and hopefully the uh, the push toward the nfc playoffs and you know like like we always say strange things happen in chicago so we'll <laughs> just uh we'll have to see how that goes but uh yeah hopefully uh Hopefully it'll be a good game, and nobody will get uh, any significant injuries, and we can uh, both continue pushing towards that end. uh, When it's all said and done,
1: Amen. Hopefully, you know we as Bear fans to get this rivalry back on track and get that home and home thing going uh, again. At (laughs) least to steal a win in Chicago when we're like we're supposed to. But uh, you know we look forward to having you back on uh, then. And uh, until then, where can we uh, where can we find you online? Where can we find your stuff? Are you doing any podcasts these days? uh i am not
0: uh, we have several podcasts connected to our site at okay. uh, dot com, but uh, i'm not personally doing a podcast yet uh i'm not sure if that's going to change anytime soon it probably <laughs> won't but uh yeah there, there's that um you can find us on the uh the twitter machine at uh at daily norseman and yeah that uh, that pretty much sums it up for us
1: well chris again appreciate you having having you on look forward to talking to you and uh in november to see where we stand at that point all right larry i will be there thank you very much chris gates from the daily norseman helping us preview these 2018 minnesota vikings As always, I want to thank Chris for coming on to the show, helping us preview these uh, 2018 Minnesota Vikings and uh, talking about the division as a whole and just the, the havoc we might be able to wreak on the rest of the league uh, this year if everything goes the way that uh, all four fan bases think it might go uh, this year, the improvement that they expect from their teams. And uh, we'll see if that can all work out in a, in a positive way uh, for the teams in our division. So, um, you know... It's, uh, it, it's going to be a fun year. I absolutely believe that. And, uh, you know, it, it, uh, it's, a, it's a discussion that I look forward to continuing uh, with all the guys. I mean, we got Evan uh, coming back for, for week one, but we don't talk to Jeremy or Chris again until November. Uh, we got them back-to-back, back, basically. We talked to Jeremy, then Chris, and then Jeremy right again for because of the Thanksgiving uh, game. And, uh, of course, Chris doesn't come back until the end uh, of the uh, regular season when we play in Week 17 again. But, uh, you know, it's like I enjoy talking to these guys, and uh, it's always fun to to have them back on. There's like this shared kinship between us all because our teams have that long tradition and history Uh, with each other so it's something that i guess we all kind of feel that we share uh, with each other you know these are all very old members of the league especially the bears and the packers charter members uh, of the national football league and um, you know it's always fun uh, to have those guys uh, on we got one more show to go though 13 in the can the 14th and final uh, preview episode it comes back in a few days when our good friend lauren cox from Pro Football Focus, Bearswire.com and the Locked On Bears podcast will come on to help us preview these 2018 Chicago Bears and uh, you know you know how is Lauren feeling about the about everything that that's gone down? Uh, does he share the same optimism that we seem that seemingly is is permeating all throughout the Chicago Bear fan base? We'll talk to him about that. Uh, The free agency, the draft, everything else, the schedule, and even include him in the conversation about the NFC North and how he feels the division's going to handle the 2018 season. So come back for that with Lauren Cox on Thursday. Uh, And as we wrap things up and then we go on our little break, it'll be a shorter than usual hiatus because of our early preseason matchup uh, against the Ravens, but a hiatus nonetheless. We take a little break before the preseason begins and we move into the regular season and things get real uh, after that. So come on back in a few days. Myself and Lauren Cox will preview our beloved Chicago Bears. And until then, my name is Larry D. And this has been the Chicago Bears Review.